0: Hello, and welcome to 02148. I'm your guest hostess today, Ed Lucy, and my guest is Adam Weldy. Thank you for having me. Well, I appreciate you being here. Uh, Adam, for those of you who are aware of it, and I'm going to ask him to tell us a little bit about his background. You're a Malden resident, of course. I am indeed. And you're uh, on this, a member of the school committee. Yes. Well, you've had some experience, I think, in your background in teaching in Malden. Yep. I'm right so far, <laughs> and uh, you're currently
1: the principal? Yeah, principal of a middle school in Chelsea. Chelsea, and you've uh, been there how long? I've been in Chelsea Public Schools for seven years now. Seven years, yeah.
0: wow, and and um, I was trying to think back. You're actually be like a fourth-generation Maldonian?
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think. So on my mom's side... Um, because my dad came here from Eritrea, huh? so uh, so I'm African American. And my mom's side, uh, let's see, one, two, three, yeah. yeah, yeah, at least fourth generation.
0: And 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 that's um, that's unusual today. Marlin has been not only diversified, but but like uh, the, the way life goes today, people move around a lot. Um, uh, I should also mention because um, I'm not that I'm so into into generational uh, residents, but. Uh, his grandmother and grandfather were uh, neighbors of mine when I was younger, and uh, so that I knew it was the second generation. And his mother, I met near as I can recall. I do uh, some outside canning for uh, the Lions, and one Sunday I was down at CBS and uh, on Broadway and and uh, Eastern Avenue, and a woman came by and turned and looked after she started to walk by and saw it was me and it was your mother. And she made a very generous donation oh. to you. <laughs> you remember things like that. And now yeah. you're, that, then you're the fourth generation. But, yeah. I, but I, uh, again, I mentioned his grandparents were from, uh, I lived around the, down the street from them, and very close, actually. And uh, they were wonderful people. And uh, oh, I think, it's in fact, I think your grandmother went to school with my, my brother, if I'm not mistaken. But that's enough ancient history. Um, <laughs> you, you recently announced that you're not going to seek re-election. Yes. How, how many terms have you done on the school committee? This is the end of my fifth term. Fifth term, okay, and um, maybe to digress a little bit, um, the the effect of uh, of the coronavirus on the school uh, and the terms of dealing with the 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 changes that had to occur, which were dramatic and and extreme, real literally, where schools were closed for that period of time. Yeah, the. the effect now—you—you're uh, not in the classroom now, but in some ways, the administrators get all the, get the worst of, the, of it all because there's complaints not only from the, from the school population, but from the staff <laughs> <laughs> sometimes. It's yeah. true.
1: I mean, those effects are going to be—they're <laughs> they're, going to exist for quite a while. I mean, I, what classroom teachers, uh, support professionals, social workers, uh, just, like what they're going through right now on a daily basis—you um, know, people. People talk a lot about learning loss, and, and for me, it wasn't really about the learning loss. It was about the, the social change, and, you know, kids kids came back, and, and honestly, adults came back too, sort of not, not with the same skill set that they had before of how to interact with people, how to um, talk out conflict, how to uh, deal with uh, immediate problems, because for a long time, I mean, the virus is one thing. Then the next step of you know being on Zoom and being on the computer. You know, when you have a problem with someone, you can shut your monitor. You can press mute. You can turn your video off. You know, for kids, you can go to the bathroom, eat, drink, whenever you want to. Um, and it's it's hard readjusting to routines. And I think the you know adults were having a hard time readjusting to routines too. Understandably, the
0: uh, the the kids themselves the. Inter- the- it, the intersocial relationships disappeared, literally, and, and uh, uh, one of the things that appears to be uh, at fault sometimes with the young people, they don't go out as much. I've mentioned this on my show previously. Uh, sometimes I walk in the neighborhood when the weather's good, and I recall I years ago, when I, uh, and I'm not that far away from the Bowdoin Street Apartments, for instance, and I, I can recall years ago when I take a walk, and if I, inter- if I went off in that direction, There'd be people playing outside, people, young people, and, and, and interacting with each other. And now it's like during the day, nobody's there. The kids, yeah. are even if they're not in school, they're not outside. So yeah, It's uh, different. You compound that with the virus situation, and people were, were concerned about the situation medically. So they wouldn't have the children go out, even if they normally would let them
1: roam around a little bit. That's true. And one of the things we dealt with a lot, particularly in Chelsea, Um, And there are a lot of areas in in Malden that are like this, too, is, you know, oftentimes the adults in the building would say, you know, over Zoom and email, say to the kids, oh, make sure you go outside and enjoy some fresh air today, because it's the one kind of respite we all had. And and a lot of our kids don't have backyards, and they don't have space, you know, outside. and, And parents were understandably fearful about letting their kids just go walk the streets, you know, hang out by the sidewalk. And so they didn't really have a lot of space to even go outside. Now, um,
0: and also, there were situations where kids didn't have computers, right? Yeah. So uh, was there a plan B for them?
1: (laughs) We we had to, we as school departments, and it happened in Malden, happened in Chelsea, Everett, Revere, we got our kids devices. So kids, you know, we've gone through, and we're still doing it now, one-to-one Chromebooks. So every kid gets a device. Um, And then during the pandemic, you know, device was one thing then internet was the other so we were buying those hotspots from t-mobile and the good part you know we've we got a lot of support from the state and from the federal government funding wise to, to buy these things um but you know making sure everybody had something to keep connected that was that was step one it was a challenge but yeah. it was what we spent a lot of time on do you have a device do you have internet and then do you have food and things that you need at home that you might be getting at school well, even as
0: the, the teachers are, uh, uh, for instance, if focus on them for a moment, now that now they're trying to educate the subject that they deal with in school. Now you have the elementary kids, and then uh, their programming and their their attention span is somewhat limited. You know, not be realistic. But anyway, the other thing is, the teachers in some instances would be repetitive to in, in interacting with the children. So even though. In in one way see, gee they hit it easy they get paid they were home if they lived some distance from uh, the school where they taught they didn't have to commute, but in actual fact it was more stressful in some ways than it was if she had to go in, the, in the school every day.
1: Yeah, honestly, you know, I saw, I saw this in in real life with the teachers in my school that I lead, but I think what was even more impactful for me was watching my mother. Um, because my mother, up until real recently, was a second grade teacher in Malden, um, and she taught at the Linden School, and she she had to redo everything about the way she did her job and the way she interacted with kids almost overnight. And watching someone like my mom, you know, have to she had to do a couple things, right? She had to learn a lot of those technology things, the platform, how to use the computers, how to use the webcams, um, and figure out schedules and ways to interact with kids and delivering lessons and turning her own, you know, computer room into a home office with a whiteboard. And I mean, watching them go through that and seeing my mom do that um, was it's its something. And the teachers really did amazing work during this whole thing. And I don't think anybody could have prepared for anything like that.
0: Well, you know, when you think of kids in school, the younger kids, they're the, the, learning based at the beginning is uh, for other than the social education they get before they go into school. But they uh, there's a little limited process you can go through the attention time and all those other things you do. And then now you've got perhaps, and this which you just alluded to, you've got older teachers who may may have an iPhone and they and a computer. Basic things, and I'm not even at that level myself. <laughs> so, uh, but th- th- they would—they would almost be at a point where they say, "Gee, I'm sorry, I can't do that. I'm, uh, I'm, le- I'm retiring in, a, in a six months. I'm retiring a year from now, or bu- maybe thinking of of uh, moving on to do something else. Uh, I'm just not able I, to do it." I'm
1: that. sure there were people who. I mean, I, you know, I shouldn't have doubted her even a bit, but my, I mean, watching my mom, like by the end of this whole thing, she was making videos and she was uploading things to platforms and, and saying, well, she was well, of them I missed all these years. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure there were people who just could not, yeah. could not do it. And that, yeah. that I can't even imagine was a really hard struggle yeah, yeah, for them. Yeah. 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 So
0: you're, you you you're a middle school principal uh, and, and what's the, that's grade uh, kindergarten
1: eight or so six? So for us, it's grades five, six, seven, and eight. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. So we have um, in, in Malden, we've got the K through eights, which right. I, I really do love. Um, in in some other districts, Chelsea's one of them. There are elementaries, and in their system, they do K one, two, three, four, and then the middle schools have five, six, seven, and eight. I see, but they could be in the same building. Uh, they could be. Ours are not. I actually am in one big complex with two middle schools in it, so there are two groups of five, six, seven, and eight.
0: And are the, so uh, is there a lot of busing involved with the kids go, being, uh, getting to school?
1: Not much, only because of the size of the community. Yeah. Um, because it's so tight. I mean, Chelsea is such a tight community, and it's very dense, densely populated. Um, there isn't too, too much busing that goes on yeah. uh, purely for distance reasons. Right, right. So, Having, but you also had taught in the modern school system before that. I, I never actually got to teach here, which, you know, I went right out of college um, – that was always my goal. I mean, when I was a when I was a kid, I always wanted to teach in Malden. I mean, that was that was sort of the dream. Um, and when I was in high school, <laughs> I ended up joining um, the school committee as the student representative. Um, and you know, I was I was a real the opportunities that I had in Malden were amazing. But I met Marguerite Gonzalez, Arlene Sepatelli, and they really kind of gave me a nudge and said, "Hey, you could do this." And I remember going to my first school committee meeting and and thinking, all right, I'll give this a shot. And I I joined the committee as a representative. And um, after I graduated high school and went to college, I wanted to come teach in Malden. That was always the goal. And what I never planned on, and I'm very glad that I did, was running for school committee to be an actual member. Um, and a lot of that was because of, and I'm sure we'll talk about it, but a lot of that was because of the, the amazing people that I had around me, like your son, Greg. Um, but because of that... Um, and because I joined the school committee, I wasn't able to teach in Malden, and so. Oh, that's true. That's ten years. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, my te- career kind of took me in, in a couple different directions. Oh, that okay. Wasn't expected. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, you can you can reverse it. At the other end of your uh, career, you can go back into the classroom. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. I, you know, I, was, uh, I I may be thinking you're older than you are, so we won't go into that <laughs> because. Uh, but it's an interesting perspective because here you are involved in a school system. It's not Marlin. You're on a school committee. So um, you've got the exposure to to the schools as an educator, and now at the same time you've got the exposure as a school committee person hearing from people. Did you find that there was a lot of tension and requirements other than the the
1: meetings that you attend that you didn't expect to be when you get on the school committee? Um, You know, I didn't... I didn't expect the amount um, that I would want to be in schools, right? And that was hard as as someone who was an, an educator because oftentimes, um, you know, when you have a little bit more of a flexible career, you can you can take time during the day and do a lot of things. Uh, but you know, one of the things I really wanted to do as a school committee member was get into our schools more. I had substituted um, when I was in college i had substituted in our buildings particularly in forestdale and salemwood Um, but joining the committee you want to go to you want to go to visit classrooms and you want to go to the events and read to kids on read across america day and do all those things and it's a tug and pull because you end up having to take time you know out of your job your career to do this other passion that you love and So aside from the meetings, that was the big thing that really surprised me was how much I wanted to get into the buildings, and I wish I could do more.
0: Now, uh, more than uh, this year, starting the year,
1: we had a strike. We did. did. did, did,
0: Does Chelsea have any issues like that with contract?
1: No. um, Chelsea luckily settled their contract, I believe, two years ago. Um, That's something that, truthfully, for me, you know, sitting on both sides of the table. Like I, I am an educator outside of the school committee. I also was lucky um, when I joined Chelsea as an assistant principal. Um, I became president of our union, so our administrators' union, um, which is part of the the Mass Teachers Association. Um, you know, I was sitting on the other side of the table in Chelsea, negotiating contracts with our superintendent. And um, so it, it, you know, I, I love, I really do love working with. Um, our union working on contract negotiations up until this last one, which had a very different structure and tone to it. Um, contract negotiations were one of, I really enjoyed it. It was one of my favorite things. And I I remember saying to Jen Spatafora and Sharon Zyberg, who just joined the committee and had never done this before, oh, you're, you're going to love negotiations. It's a great chance to talk about issues and really get to the meat of, like, why people feel what they feel. Um, this particular one took a, took a, Different turn than I I expected, but it's it's an, I like the insight. Like I was able to at least bring sort of my insight as someone who sits on both sides of that table uh, to that work. But it was it was a challenging October.
0: When you when you're the, you you mentioned you you are one of the negotiators when you when you're, uh, teaching, um, for, well, well, uh, you were teaching, well in administration you you involved with the union negotiations. Did did you find that it was sometimes hard to uh, fight for an issue you deeply didn't believe necessarily was a, was something that they deserved or could have, could, could have made part of the contract, that there were things there to say, look, I can understand the because in Chelsea, is the same as
1: Marlon, the mayor's on the school committee in Chelsea? No, um, we actually don't. Chelsea still has the old um, town or city manager system. Oh, because they're in
0: trustee? <laughs> yeah, so so our school committee
1: kind of operates very differently. It's, oh, I see. Okay, yeah.
0: well, t- t- takes 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 the pressure off the members because they. Uh, what can I do? You you talking to the wrong person. That's interesting. Uh, uh, well, anyway, so the so they had the strike, but it was only lasted a couple of days. One, and just they, one day. Yeah, they settled. They settled. I think the, was it two days they didn't go to school because they just had a, just the one. Oh, they went the next yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. Had, Melrose. Was, there were several other local communities in this area. There were, and there it's was some definitely a movement across the state. Right yeah, now, and there, there was a, a contentious uh, issue in some some communities. Um, and now, after s- settling all that with the teachers, now the bus strike. is the bus drivers going on strike. I saw yeah, that. Yeah, yeah I yeah, saw that. Yeah, yeah, so uh, the, um, the 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 net effect uh, of your all your experience um, from both sides of the table. Uh, how much has changed in the school system that you can uh, separate from whatever happened because of the coronavirus in in the
1: years that you were on the school committee? <laughs> a lot, honestly, yeah. a lot. Yeah. I, I um, you know, it's it's even though it feels like a short amount of time, um, it's it's been a long span of time. Like I, I was lucky enough that I sat on on the school committee all four years, and uh, when I was in high school as a student representative, That's true. and that was back in two thousand. 2001, 2000, 2001, and so from there, you know, I I served ten years, but it was a little bit of a break in between because I served for six, and then I left for a couple of years and came back, um, and it's schools are always changing, and the stuff that we were talking about in 2000 is different than the stuff you're talking about in 2003, and then in 2006, and it's it's interesting to sort of see the evolution of issues because. Things change so rapidly in schools. and That's part of what I think stresses teachers out is that, you, you know, things we, – we care a lot about an issue, and then it changes, and then you care about a new thing. And there's not much consistency and coherence to what we're being told from above, you know, you schools should focus on now. And so it, it's changed a lot. I, I would never have guessed – even when I left the school committee, uh, the first time it was 2016, uh, never would have guessed – the stuff we were talking about in 2020, back in 2016, just changes so quickly.
0: The the um the, the thing that that is kind of interesting, with, uh, the change that you mentioned was that years ago, and maybe this was when more when you were a student uh, representative, money was always a big, was a big issue at that time with schools, the, the towns and cities. Had limited options as far as generating revenue and uh, mm-hmm. the expenses, of course, and the, and, the, and the things that related to education and other other services that communities p- provide uh, was escalating. Mm-hmm. So the big thing in those days, I think, was more like the money and the and the difficulty sometimes of making available the optional kinds of educational enrichment courses that you take. Yes. And more and more recent years, uh, fortunately, because the communities. In some ways, the coronavirus gave a, gave an opportunity for communities to get, to get an infusion of a lot more money
1: yes, yeah.
0: than they used to having, and more important than that, of what they could redirect it to. So, when you mentioned about buying uh, electronic equipment for the students, if they didn't have <laughs> in, in days gone by, they say, okay. "I can't even pay the teachers what they're entitled to. How can we go through the process and give a, give out things like equipment, yeah. electronic things?" So. Um, so I guess the, then it ends up as a refocus on other
1: things. that the, uh, but, but the money makes such – I mean, lunch, lunch yeah. and breakfast. Yeah. One of the funniest things, and I think about this all the time, is you know, 10, 15 years ago, we would spend meetings, 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 meetings talking about raising the price of lunch by 10 cents. Because we couldn't, we couldn't cover the deficit. We needed to make ends meet, and we were talking about, you know, lunch might go up from two dollars to two ten or two twenty five. And now we're, you know, doing the right thing. We're talking about making sure that breakfast and lunch for every kid is free. Um, and it's just, an, it's a nice change of pace, but it really shows you how much centers on money.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, and, and of course, as part of that, in, in, in years ago, in, even in your younger days, when you were in the school system itself as a student, that the reality was that the, some kids were eligible for the lunch program and some weren't. But then, unfortunately, sometimes the kids that were eligible uh, the, for the small amount that was involved in their paying, f- or, the, or the family was required to pay, didn't always come in. So, yeah. I mean, it's horror stories about, uh, uh, you see it on TV, where kids go to school for lunch or uh, for breakfast, and then... They don't. They pulled aside and said, "You can't have lunch or you can't have breakfast because your mother didn't send or your father or whomever didn't send the money." Yeah, they, you know, it's like getting your car repossessed, but uh, when you're taking your wife to the hospital Jeez. have a baby. <laughs> but anyway, that's kind of an extreme. Man, that's, that's a, yeah, <laughs> it's a bad
1: situation. But,
0: so they get so so it's a it's no longer optional. All the kids and do they mostly participate? Yeah, mostly participate. Do and some still no... bring their
1: lunches? Some kids still do, for sure. But yeah. there's no more like ticket like it used to be. It's uh, no questions asked. Every yeah. kid, every yeah. student, no matter what, free breakfast, free lunch. Yeah.
0: yeah, and and of course, in theory, the lunch program uh, uh, being that widespread, uh, should be more nutritious than what the kid might uh, bring from from home, or, or they. If they're in high school, they, I suppose they could skip out and get a pizza and come back or, not, or eat the pizza uh, <laughs> before they come back.
1: They've got some good options, particularly at the high school. They do have some good options for the yeah, kids, which yeah, is nice. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. but saying that, I mean, at the high school level, are they able to leave the school during the day to
1: go get the... I don't think they can anymore. We we worked... I actually worked on this with Greg for a long time to work on an open campus uh, for lunchtime, and particularly around you know being able to boost businesses in the square and allow kids to run out and grab a slice of pizza I used to run to converse all the time during yeah. the day um to grab something to eat for lunch um and now I think uh, in the past couple of years it's really shifted back to for a lot of safety reasons that that you know a kids in in the building during the day until they leave at the end of the day and I understand it but it's still um one of the things that, I, you know, we fought, we fought about and fought for for a while was that, you know, if you're a senior in high school and we're getting ready to send you off to college and you've never had any kind of responsibility to like, hey, I'm going to get from class to class. I'll, I can leave and come back. And, you know, they're, they're not used to anything but a real strict, tight schedule. And then we send them off to college and say, all right, wake up for class at this time and you might have another class later in the day. And a lot of kids have trouble handling that time management piece and, and the freedom of it all.
0: Um, uh, more than is uh, well, uh, before. I uh, I've got a story to tell. Maybe uh, I, I mean, spent too much time in the past. But that uh, uh, years ago, uh, many years ago, you had it, when I was in high school. You 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 brought a lunch, you brown bagged it as it were, brown and you'd have that period of time during the day when you could you could go outside the building, but you, you weren't expected to roam around too far. But uh, at that point, they had a they had a. Uh, a street that where there was a veterans post on it, on Holden Street, oh. I th- no, Prescott Street. We, we, uh, well, anyway, what, I forget the name. But the thing was, you could wander down that there's actually a street over from where the high school, where the back of the high school was, and uh, it also gave you an opportunity if you were a smoker. Oh. To, uh, smoke and uh, I remember the... Oh, uh, back by the Ruderman side. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the street's not al- no longer there, but uh, yeah. the thing was... It ended up, we were all smoking. I was a smoker in high school, and uh, the disciplinary came by, and last shoot us all, about 10 or 11, of what, and we were all sent home. <laughs> Couldn't smoke, that was fair enough, and uh, they had to come up with a, a parent or a family member or somebody, and uh, so I came up the next day. But the reason I'm telling the story, is that I thought about one of the drastic changes that sometimes occurs in this and in schools uh, they the' more constant maybe than any, any most other places is that when you had the the talk with the uh, it was with the, in the principal's office at the high school yes you what uh what church you went to which I didn't think that that made any difference in the world but uh the thing is that uh, um I thought she was if they were asked today did <laughs> the know. civil liberty union be bringing <laughs> suit to be on the national t v but anyway so Getting back to the reality, Marlon and Chelsea, just to maybe kind of uh, um, diversity.
1: Marlon's very diverse, Chelsea is, but I don't think it's diverse to the same same dynamics, is it? Definitely different dynamics. Chelsea, you know, um, it's very diverse, and a lot of the issues uh, that our communities face are very similar. And a lot of the, um, you know, the way in which the kids in Chelsea grow up is similar to the way that I grew up and a lot of my friends grew up. Um, the population has shifted a lot uh, I remember when I started working in Chelsea, um, my my great uncle Lewis um, had said he said to me, "Oh, you, you're gonna have a lot of Jewish kids, huh?" And I said, "Maybe." M- yeah. Way back, way back in the day, yeah. we would have like, the only real Jewish thing left in in Chelsea is is Kate's is still open. Uh, you get your your pizza bagels, but there's a beautiful temple right next to uh, the school that I work at now. But it's a used for housing, for, which is awesome. Um, but the population in Chelsea is really majority um, Latinx, Latino, and uh, there's a lot of breakdown in, in that. Right? Like I have a lot of kids from El Salvador and Honduras and Guatemala, and, but um, it's diverse in a sense that there's a, a majority-minority population, but the, the majority of them fit into the, the, the Latinx umbrella. So there's, but there's a lot of cultures and a lot of um, differences that make that really exciting and fun too. Uh,
0: now would you know approximately the population of Chelsea?
1: I should. I think it's around thirty thousand.
0: There'll be less than half a
1: mile. Yeah, it's not. It's definitely a smaller size. And and uh, you have a, a middle school
0: principal. and You have two middle schools. Uh, do you have any idea the the school population of Chelsea? The
1: school population in Chelsea. Let me do some fast math in my head. Thousand thirty five hundred. It's probably around five thousand kids. Well, that's that's pretty good size. Yeah, you always it's have very a very densely young family. populated. Yeah, Because
0: yeah. I don't. I think Marlins, uh
1: 6,000, 6, about sixty six hundred
0: yeah so and it's only half the size Chelsea. wow that's that so you can the, the the age spread between Chelsea mall and big yeah the uh, yeah. um the other factor too would be in terms of the the schools um you Chelsea was assumed that because the economics would be have much more federally funded students or uh, housing issues in, in that city than Malden? Or?
1: Um, no, it's honestly it's pretty similar. Yeah. I mean, we deal with a lot of uh, we deal with a lot of transiency and a lot of times you know in a place like Chelsea, a place like Malden, Everett, families are getting priced out of their apartments all the time, and so we 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 have a lot of kids who move, they get priced out of Chelsea, they cut they come back after a certain amount of time. Um, you know, we benefit from. A significant amount of state and federal funding, which is great. Uh, Chelsea receives a lot more than Malden does, um, which, you know, it, it's, it's, you could see the difference in terms of, you know, the, the programs and the amount of staff that we're able to hire. Um, but luckily, the, the housing, the housing issues are actually pretty similar. So it's luckily and not luckily something that I think someone from Malden has a good lens on and we can deal with how to help families when they're displaced or need to find housing or are looking for ways to not interrupt their kids' lives when you know you might get bounced out of um Chelsea and have to move two streets over into Re- into Everett or into Revere and you don't want to upend the kid for for the whole year just to, because of that switch and so we we do deal with a lot of that
0: Now the undocumented problem is that much of an issue in Chelsea?
1: Yeah, it's it's a it's a big problem in a sense that um it's a big problem in a sense that, you know, when we're filling out the census, because you need to, you need, you know, a lot of our funding, federal funding in particular, comes from the census reporting. Um, and a couple of years ago, when we were trying to do the census, and actually this happened during, during the COVID vaccine time, too, um, you know, we would have people going door to door. And they did it in Malden too. They had people going door to door and knocking on doors to help fill out the census because the more accurate count you get, the more funding you'll get when you know that you have more people there. And for a lot of right reasons, a lot of people don't trust the government. And so when you have people knocking on your door asking for your information just to be counted, don't worry, they're they're not going to trust it. And um, so they employed a lot of us. Uh, They tried to utilize us as school leaders in chelsea and teachers to reach out to families and say no these things are okay you can trust this we could really use your help with this um you know we i remember making a video um during the when the the vaccine had come out um making a video with some with some other principals and teachers from my building To to encourage people in the community to get the vaccine, like we did it, we did it too. It'll keep you safe. It'll it'll help get our kids back into school. And because there's a lot of distrust, um, particularly when you're undocumented, around what what can you say and who can you who can you talk to?
0: Now that's interesting. Now did you have you must have had some teachers or some administrators or or non-professional people within the school system who didn't want to get it vaccinated? Yeah, yeah. Were they were they uh,
1: Did it affect their employment? Not, uh, not initially. No. I mean, every system, every system kind of went back and forth with how they were going to handle this. But no, not initially.
0: Did it become a union issue? Yeah. Yeah, and and (laughs) most things (laughs) do. Well, listen, uh, 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 there were police that wouldn't get uh, talking, uh, and Now they're, they're, some of them were terminated, and I think now there's enough I think they're to getting reinstate their jo- them. Yeah,
1: they're reinstating them. They're getting yeah, jobs back. Yeah, yeah that's a,
0: well, it's a life, yeah. the only thing constant in life has changed. Now, um, your your um, history at the Marlin School System is more than the 10 years then, in reality, not only as a broken time, but as, as a student uh, representative. And... Uh, I think probably if if you look back on your career, uh, what were the kinds of things that you saw accomplished while you were in the school committee, whether you did them or spearheaded them, or whether they got accomplished, that you think improved on the um, overall
1: benefit to the system? Oh, that's a that's a good question. Uh, you know, uh, I have. I've and been if bragged, <laughs> t- t-
0: you brag, don't it won't be bragging. It was <laughs> because you, you, if you have a sense of accomplishment, maybe it, it enlighten people a little bit about. The, what you can do as, as a school committee member if you really work at it.
1: That's true. And uh, and actually that's something that I talk to um, a lot of people about when they're thinking about running for school committee. It's like, you know, expectation versus reality. What can you do? And, and uh, I mean, in a lot of ways the thing that you can do best is amplify other people's voices, like to talk to students, to talk to parents, to talk to teachers. I mean, honestly, one of the things that I'm most proud of in all my time on the school committee is that I – listened to people and I tried to help them solve their problems and I dealt with a lot of teachers across the system and I had a lot of relationships in the system which was great Um, in the same way I was able to connect with students and talk to particularly high schoolers because I was that kid like I was that high schooler who you know would regularly get to talk to Greg Lucy to Gary Christensen to Judy Bucci to help amplify an issue that I had and and so I think I'm really proud of of being able to be that voice. But we got a lot of good things done. I mean, I'll I'll always be proudest of, of the free breakfast and lunch because we got that in Malden before COVID ever happened. We worked hard to make that happen with a lot of grant funding and applying and getting our data in line. Um, you know, I'll always be proud of the social emotional supports that we were able to do from... Uh, launching our first bullying prevention committee and working on getting more adjustment counselors and social workers in the schools Um, and I think I'll always be proud of trying to actively and you mentioned this earlier protect the things that kids like Because academics will always be important but protect the things kids will remember 20 years from now band chorus tech ed art um, you know, making sure that when we needed to make difficult decisions, like those, weren't things that were first on the list. Um, I, th- I think I'll, I'll be proud of that. But amplifying other people's voices and being someone that people can can go to, and uh, you know, that's that's what I hope people will will see and remember.
0: The uh, being in, Italy, for instance, in Chelsea, uh, since you get a, a lot of um, people who are new to new to this country, certainly new to Chelsea. The communication level. uh, Do you have a lot of um, issues with the kids because of their home life? The the fact that they uh, uh, there's 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 struggles there where the people either have to be um, forced to send the kids to school or the kids don't go to school or you have to truancy is level or that sort of thing.
1: it It exists, yeah, I think the real challenge, especially do you speak spanish by I the way? don't I don't and oh, you <laughs> don't? Oh. yeah, I, I made uh. I made a real interesting decision as a seventh grader in, in the Malden public schools to take French and made it through high school, middle school, a couple of years of college. So I could do ok when I'm speaking with Haitian Creole families, but i never I never picked up Spanish, and I should. But uh, it's, our, it's our parents. The, the border is a lot of our students come and are able to be multilingual. And that's a, an amazing skill that will benefit them. But a lot of our parents have not learned English yet. And being able to communicate with families, the importance of getting kids to school, being a partner with their educators, that's, that's been a barrier that a lot of educators, I think, face is making sure that you're communicating and really working in partnership with families. Yeah
0: the um do you, you have in the course of a school year um uh, issues of in them of uh, a turnover of, of of students they they like you say they move and uh, you lose track of them and you find out that they haven't re- been transferred to a school out of
1: the school system to another community yeah to another community to another country possibly yeah. you know we have a lot of influx of students you know when when natural disasters happen um it could be Puerto Rico, it could be Haiti. We have students who, who come and it, it happens all year long. Superintendent does a little enrollment report. Uh it's something that Lenny Iavino asked for back and then it's, it's continued and every month we get a report and it, it changes. It's never the same month to month. Kids leave, kids kids come. It never stays the same. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um one big difference I think probably with the population of the two communities is the number of students. Chelsea's in the in the in the uh Northeast, uh in the, in the charter school system. Yeah. And I I wouldn't I would think they don't have the kinds of
1: enrollment w- w- at the Malvin does. I, in the charters? Yeah. No, it's it's they have they have more options, which is, you know, cuz Excel Charter is there, um Pioneer Charter is there. There there are a couple more options for kids to to choose from and up until recently they had a pretty active parochial school system um St. Rose is going in Chelsea too. Uh, so there were there were a lot of options, but uh, it's it's moving from elementary to middle school. That's when we would always lose kids. They'd try to apply to a charter, and we would go talk to elementary kids and say, "No, this is why this is why Chelsea Public Schools is a great place to be."
0: Yeah. Um, I was thinking when um, in today about the the school. I can recall years ago there was a, a, a tremendous effort on the part of Malton to to build new schools and there were there was a huge uh, budget made available and, yeah. and, um, and one thing they probably should have done is not sold not sold off the yes. uh,
1: Maplewood school because the, uh, or the Emerson yeah, yeah. well uh,
0: yeah but but this, especially the Emerson after they learned that the uh, selling off the uh, the Maplewood school was something that they could have used at a later date but oh, yeah. uh, then what happens is you get 20 years down the road after you build the schools, and now you start to have Not maintenance so problems yeah. and, and forget about it, uh, expansion of population within the schools. But uh, are you now at a point in Marlin where some of these schools that were new and were, with a. Pride of the community years ago. We're now at the point where it's a, they were expensive
1: to maintain. We yeah we, <laughs> I think we hit that honestly. I think we hit that like ten years. I think yeah. ten years in yeah. we started seeing a lot of expenses that we didn't anticipate. I mean the city has been amazing to us, um, and particularly under Mayor Christensen, he's he's paid a lot of attention to. Uh, facilities and maintenance and so we've you know all the routine stuff we've gotten new roofs in all our buildings all the ventilation systems but it's the the little stuff that you don't think about that you know, almost 10 years in our buildings are not as strong as they could be
0: yeah and, and that's that's an age thing and a lack of attention probably a combination Both, yeah. of the two is
1: it, um is it, malden anticipate are they looking at all maybe to build something else here we talk about it all the time i don't know how feasible you know we've We've talked about, um, you know, the Farsdale School has a, an area that was designated in the blueprints way back when to be an expansion if they ever needed to build, but we'd have to really pay for it ourselves. Um, you know, we've talked about building at the early learning center. Um, you know, people were talking about, you know, one of the, a couple of years ago, and I'm glad they didn't, but when Chevris was thinking about closing down, everyone was like, well, we got to scoop it up and, and move quickly so that we have more. But we 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 definitely are going to need more space at some point.
0: Yeah. uh, Now, you you mentioned uh, your time on the school committee, which really is closer to 15 years than 10 years. Yeah. Um, And and it is 15 years, counting school time. Uh, Do do you recall, uh, what was your graduating class, do you recall?
1: 2005. Oh, the the number? Yeah. Uh, 400, about 400 kids. Which is what it is now. Yeah. So we're down to much lower, and then it's been going up. We lose a lot of students. Um, we lose the majority of our students moving from eighth to ninth grade um, because there are a lot of high school options for yeah, our kids, right, which, is, right. which is good. I mean, honestly, at this point, if we're going to be paying for the Vogue as much as we're paying for the VOC, we want, we want kids to go there, and we want, uh, we want them to accept our students. Yeah. But, yeah, that's when we lose a, the biggest yeah. bubble of our kids. Yeah
0: my own observation, which for what it's worth is probably not much, uh, uh, and I think um, with, d- d- there's a lot of criticism directed at the charter school, and and I think it's as much to do with public relations as it as it's done with oh, some yeah. other things. But I, I do think that um, the way they calculate the formula is is n- is not fair. I think in in a lot of ways. The amount of money they're given for each student from a community is far more than they really pay. If you re- if you relate the the cost of educating a student that goes there versus if they go to a public school, for a number of reasons. One in particular is if this if you're in a high special needs requirements in in the public school system is an expensive proposition, and right. it's not really a factor, but. Charter schools, cause, and so, but they're treated as if they, if their their costs are the same, which which is, I don't think is fair. But it's expensive to the cities that have to pay that
1: that share that that's required. But uh, you yeah, nailed it. Yeah. But politically, that's not likely to change. I don't think. No, I don't think so. It 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 should, but it's I don't think it's likely to change.
0: Yeah, because I, I one time I got some figures, and uh, for several communities, as far as the their, the budget requirements of the community to. Uh, To uh, send the money to the charter school, and as much as Marlin pays, Cambridge pays more because their cost of students is higher, and there was about a twenty percent difference, I think, per student versus what we pay, and we would pay more than some other communities. Yeah, and uh, so, uh, but again, um, I think um, I was trying to think. I I saw figures one time. How many Marlin kids go to charter school, which is?
1: Honestly, I can't remember off the top of my head. It's a couple hundred at least. Yeah,
0: and 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 it, it, rep- it encompasses a lot of communities, but not many. Some of them don't do much with it. Maybe it was the distance, and maybe it was the the, yeah. g- the, f- the focus of the of the kids' intentions as a career after they graduate. But uh, yeah. there's a lot of students that do come from all that end up at. Uh, that's true. Especially if they're good swimmers. <laughs> 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 well, <laughs> that's another whole story. Well, <laughs> anyway, so. Uh, what do you pl- you have to plans for the future that
1: you're uh, working on I not yet I mean I'm really excited I I am a big believer in not term limits but I think in in you know changing voices when when you set out to do something and you want to you want to be of service to your community um part of being of service is is figuring out when you know it's time to move on and and give someone else's voice a chance and for me you know I left the school committee um in 2016 and and there was a, an awesome person who ran and I said this is great and I was hoping that she was going to stay longer and um you know when she left and no one stepped up I said all right I'll 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 step in and I'll try to help and um it it was it was a good time to transition out um because I think someone else's voice could use a chance cuz one one thing I have learned here is that you don't need to have your name on a ballot. You don't need to hold an office to to do something important in Malden. I mean there are a lot of people around this city who love Malden and who give back in tons of different ways and I think what I'm most excited about because after all this time I'm I think I'm good on going to the meetings regularly and doing that hard that piece of the hard work. Uh, I'm looking forward to supporting my colleagues like Jen Spatafora, like Mayor Christians. I want to support them in the work they're doing, but I'm looking forward to finding a new way to give back to Malden because I, I love it here and I love all of the opportunities that I was given as a kid. And I want to help find ways to be that person that helps more Malden students. Like I had all of those supports around me and, and it's just a good time in my life too, I think to, to scale back a little bit and focus a little more on family and, and what I want to do and, and let someone else's voice be up there and take some votes.
0: Well, the the, um, the interesting thing is, in politically, um, things change a great deal. Number yeah. one, in uh, uh, more recent times, if you're campaigning for an office, uh, the door-to-door uh, type of campaigning, even if if, if it's not a, a city-wide venture and and the person. Um, is not the same. Number one, people don't answer the door. Number That's two, they're true. not home. They're not home during the day. That's true. Uh, number three, um, in many instances, uh, if they if they have someone coming to the house, the person iPhones them or not- notifies them they're outside or they're down the street. So if someone rings the bell, they don't they answer the door because they know mm-hmm. it's not anybody they expect to be there. So yeah.
1: the, the campaigning it gets less personal. And no more landlines, so you can't really call and see if anyone's home.
0: That's another point, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and uh, even people that have landlines, they say, "Well, the only reason I use it is because I got a computer, and if, if anybody's going to call me, uh, uh, they're going to call my uh, iPhone or whatever." Mm-hmm. And the other aspect too of the, is that um, is that people in uh, in terms of campaigning uh, have lost the opportunity. Sometimes, mm-hmm. if they got a gripe, <laughs> they don't they don't have people telling coming to their door. But more than that is people do you have more things to do with their time and running for office isn't one of them so has since you've announced that
1: you're not running for re-election have you had people announce that they're running just one and and because you know what truthfully it's a difficult time because of a lot of those things and because of the drain that it can have on people and and because honestly more so than ever before people um, are not showing each other a lot of grace and kindness and empathy and so it's it's tough to want to put yourself into that, but um, there's one one candidate so far uh, who's announced. I don't know if she's you could pull papers. I think yesterday. I don't know if she's pulled yet, but uh, her name's Elizabeth Hordy. Um, she's awesome. She's a, a, a school. She works. She works in education. Um, she has two boys at the Forestdale. She's on the school council there. Um, she's someone that I tried to give a nudge to run last time, and, and I think she. You know, and I'm sure more people will jump in, but. Um, I would love to have Elizabeth represent me. Yeah.
0: Well, the, um, the the thing is, the um, um, Ward 4, I think that is an example, that uh, um, t- t- two elections ago, the, the incumbent, Lenny Aivino, um ran for re-election. He had an opponent. And then two years later, for his own reasons, he, he didn't run again. And the, the person ran in, in that previous election, ran, and ran unopposed, ran unopposed. which in years gone by was... Be unusual because there's always other people that were sitting on the sidelines. Maybe they were friends of the incumbent, so they wouldn't run That's against true. him or her. But they would run it if it was an open seat. And so you had someone that on an open seat in that last election, as it were, uh, ran unopposed. Ran unopposed. So, so maybe, um, and 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 Forest Hill, where you uh, represent, uh, is is that in the west end, uh, up around um, Hawthorne Street in that area of the BB. The more f- the more influent part of the city and yet part of the reason may very well be as I think about it there was constant problems that you we both alluded to earlier that, it, within the school system either the they there'd be budget problem they dropped music there'd be budget another problem they would drop language and all of a sudden you'd have parents that want the children to be able to take music there would be other issues that would come up and uh, uh, the result was there were there was agitation from without and then it was agitation from within. So yeah. it, it, it was, it and even people that that might have been doing a reasonably good job were getting up opposition just because you you got the job, so you got the heat. And and <laughs> so they, for and once in a while, someone would lose that probably was a decent person representing them. But but they get the criticism because of what was in place at that time and uh, yeah.
1: it's not that way and that's no. that's even true in the city council i think too i say nowadays if you're someone who wants to run for office i mean even if even if you don't agree with the person kudos to them god bless them for putting their name out there and, yeah. and trying and trying to be a part of of helping your community because there's so many people Who complain and who like to come up with crazy theories and you know look for look for ways to divide people? But if you're someone who wants to be on a school committee, wants to be on the city council, uh, you're probably someone who has a healthy amount of tolerance for criticism and the ability to understand that people are going to be mad at you for reasons they won't even understand, and that no matter what, every vote you take, someone's going to be happy about it, someone's going to be upset about it, but. It's you know. Are you willing to put that effort and that time in? And if you are, that's that's good for Malden.
0: Well, on on a broader basis, um, some states have gone to extremes in in revisionary efforts with education, and some of those issues uh, it's really kind of hard to fathom. Where they've they've literally taken um, whether it's black studies or. Issues that involve gender identification, even other kinds of things that are a part of everyday life. They've they've made it a a, a state policy based on the thinking of the people that are elected. Uh, Not not just down in the south where where the cultures have been maybe different because of a lot of different reasons, but Florida, for one, is in the forefront of that. Is that that
1: expected or do you think that's going to get worse? I I think it's going to get worse in in places like Florida. (laughs) (laughs) No, (laughs) No, honestly, I think in places like Florida, I think it's going to get worse. I mean, we're lucky here that, and this is the way it should be everywhere, that school committees don't get to make decisions about what the kids learn. right? That comes from the state. We don't have like an elected state commissioner. I mean, sometimes I feel like we should. But, you know, we as school committee members might say we don't want you to teach this math program, so we're not going to fund it. But some other math programs got to be taught. So, you know, we can't tell them those things. But in places like Florida and places like, you know, Texas, Alabama, I I could see it getting worse because of the people running those states and saying, well, I'm, I want to impose whatever image I'm trying to portray on it so I can tell people around the country this this is what I did. I stood up for X, Y, Z. And a lot of it's just hateful and ignorant and uh, I – I hope it doesn't get worse but I have a feeling that we're going to see more of that.
0: Do, do you think sometimes uh, um, these things evolve to the to where they are today is because the person whose political career is the one who's spearheading it feels that maybe they don't really believe it but they think it's a good politics to get votes whether they're thinking about Perpetuating themselves in office in the state that they're, they're uh, running or they envu- in view envision themselves as a national candidate if they can harness that kind of thinking nationwide because you'd want to uh, what's the common sense uh, uh, one, one thing i think I think about and i've collected and i haven't as yet talked about it in the show that as much as there's been uh, historically been a, um, prejudices and discrimination and all other kinds of anti things against people of color that it wasn't just down south. It happened in Florida. It happened in Oklahoma. It happened, yeah. in, 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 and it didn't happen a hundred and fifty years ago. It happened in the twenties. As recent as that in in Florida, and yet, with all the with all the history that that they want to take out of out of uh, circulation, in my mind, a lot of times those are the kinds of things that the kids should be taught in school to realize that. There isn't always a, a right way to do things when it's in, in, in legislative supported by people who are taking advantage of the people that are less less well off, you know. And yet, yeah. a lot
1: of it, they don't want. To, it's like they don't want to talk about it, take it out of the books, and I don't I, understand that at all. I I think that's because you're logical and rational. I mean, I mean honestly, there's a there's a part of this where the best thing that we can do for kids. Is help make them critical thinkers, and if you don't present them with all the information, even stuff you might not agree with, how are they going to think about it, and how are they going to be able to go out in the world and think for themselves and debate with their friends and neighbors and come to real conclusions? When you are saying, "No, I am going to hide this. I am going to hide this from you because maybe I don't believe in it, or maybe I am trying to run for president, so I don't believe it. Whatever it may be." That's a real challenge. You want to run for president? Oh, God, no. <laughs> I was talking about what's-his-name down in Florida. <laughs> to, I'll
0: give you a—this is a little different from uh, the—we uh, the, the, uh, just talked about it briefly before the show. It, it, it's getting away from the local stuff uh, about the trial that just ended in New York, which was a civil trial and not a criminal trial. And, and uh, I actually got a phone call before, just before the show from my son because I had left a message two days about my prediction about that. <laughs> And I was totally wrong, <laughs> <laughs> and I asked you about it, and you were totally wrong. I was totally wrong too, uh, and and so the only explanation is that it must be that the uh, the loser of that of that trial, uh, uh, Mr. Trump or former President Trump, is that uh, the people in New York don't like him.
1: <laughs> that, could, that certainly <laughs> so nothing could to do with it. the facts. They yeah. just,
0: they just don't like him. Yeah. But uh, I'll, I'll I'll give you one other thing. I make a prediction. I I don't I won't over to Encore and put any money on it, but uh, I don't think he's going to be the nominee for the Republican Party. Oh, I
1: I want to agree with you, but I think he might be, and that scares me a little bit. I well, I just can't.
0: Be. I can't see where um, um, he could get nominated and and get elected if he couldn't win uh, re-election when he, in theory, had had the office and had the had the issues and uh, on paper That's he had true. some things that were. In his favor, but obviously by being president and having to do what he said he was going to do and, do and sometimes do something that opposite that, he also showed up that, it, that he wasn't always what he was. But yeah. uh, anyway, I, I, I'm inclined to think that uh, I can't imagine how the people that go in the booths in so many cases individually, even if they agree with him. Would say, can I put this person back in the president of the country again? let that,
1: I hope your prediction's yeah, right. Yeah. Well,
0: then if you you got to
1: put your money up, you
0: have to go to true. Encore and put the money down. <laughs> 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 so, um, what are your plans now? You you got all that extra time and free, which one thing I haven't really touched yeah. on. Uh, you mentioned about the state being involved in Chelsea. Uh, Marlon, some years ago, of course, ch- changed an elected uh, school committee from ward based to uh, at large, and uh, n- then they. Kind of switched back to, to ward base, but they added the mayor as as the chairperson. So that ma- that I think has also made a difference. I would say in terms of because even if um, people have a disagreement on the, on a the school committee, and and you mentioned when we start the conversation. So much of what went on years ago was lack of money. Yeah, and it was it was it was a definite stressful time for mm-hmm. if you were employed in the school system, and if you had a vote on the issues as, as a school committee person, then maybe that's the reason why you don't have the, the level of competition currently, because people are reasonably satisfied, even though they don't always agree what's going on. But having the mayor as a chair of the school committee, presumably would make it a little easier to kind of focus on the things that the city can do, because you know in advance this, this is the option we should reconsider it. And be. if you get someone like uh, Gary, who's reasonably to talk to, then maybe you can get some input. It, That's and true. It, yeah.
1: I mean, it could be. You know, I, I, Greg and I used to talk about this all the time, and uh, Walter Mullaney's yelling at me somewhere out there because I, I don't love the ward-based system, and I, I said to you know, I, I, I do think that. I go back and forth, but I do think it made more sense when it was a five-member at large, um, because it's tough. Like we've had wards where people run unopposed, where we've had wards like Ward Six where there was a write-in because no one ran. And the interesting part about the you know we're lucky that Ward we've got one, Gary Ward One, same thing, and we've got Gary, and Gary is great and he's communicative. Yeah. But uh, even Gary doesn't want to be on. Uh, you know, he wants to sort of have the mayor's position off the school uh, committee because yeah. it's a weird conflict of interest. It's, you know, I give you this budget and then you all have to debate debate it with me, and it's it's weird kind of having that that odd cross. And you know, we're lucky that we have someone communicative, but it might not be. You know, it, it, one day it won't be, and and what happens when that person's not? And so it's 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 a. It's a different system. It's it's weird because you see different in every community across Massachusetts. Right. You know,
0: I'll give you a little bit of, before we end the show. A little bit of trivia. The, the uh, as you said, there used to be five members of the school committee. They ran at large, which was citywide. And um, the, when the charter was reviewed, there was there was efforts uh, having it ward based, have eight, eight school committee representatives oh, it, with yeah. the rationale. Well, the local schools would have someone. Representing the, them in the school community When in reality the schools themselves Draw from several wards is, And someone are in any, any ward at all So it, that was no larger. And so when they were going to put all the uh, It happened when I was in office by the way and uh, it ended up that uh, Walter O'Laney, whom you just mentioned, was one of the representatives from his board. He was a That's representative great. from his board. But in in fact, I I really didn't get involved at all. Did made no, no attempt to input my own thinking, which was as well intended as it was going to be. It wasn't sensible because school education is a citywide issue in all ways, not a ward-based thing. But in, in, in fact, when they ended up with with the... This eight in the past, they got eight representatives, and Walter was the champ and very aggressive about that eight, and he served. It was in good intentions, but yes, can. It's something you can say maybe uh, should be handled in a different way. I agree with you that i agree with you then. but. In fact, I got some criticism
1: no matter what happened. I remember I, that <laughs> vote, and I remember that vote happening, and I remember the, the, the switch, and and I remember that debate too, mostly because, and you mentioned my grandparents at the beginning, and, and Kenny and Rosalie Gopin, who I love very much and I miss very much, but one of the very first votes that I ever took as a kid, and I think I've told you this, was at the Forestdale School Gymnasium as a second grader in 1992 when we had our mock election and the mayor's race, and I didn't know anything about anything, but I knew that my grandparents, who valued character and integrity over everything else, they told me that I needed to make sure that I voted for Ed Lucy in that election. And I remember that was the first vote. And that I'm going to quit while well my head. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we will wrap it up. This, this is just, a real enjoy honor. Enjoy the Ed. hour, and I appreciate you being here. Me too and now, you can watch yourself tonight at seven o'clock.